Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Ken Seymour and Richard Geiger. <sighs> Do you hear that? Yeah. You might think it's uh, cheering. It's actually just uh, Richard's breath uh, <laughs> forming in front of him in the clouds. <laughs> yes. Frosty, freezy, nice and chilly in the old Mazda studios today. Yeah, that's... Uh, I think it's... It is 21 degrees outside, so inside the old car is warmer than that. Hey, this is the dedication that Richard shows to talk to you, our fine listeners, about wonderful aspects of pop culture and, you know, just uh, have a little bit of fun at the same time. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. excited. I'm excited. This is this is a good time. We just had a comic book movie come out recently. We've got... Black Widow maybe eventually coming out. You know, WandaVision is on. That made me think we need to do another history of comic book movies episode. Ten years ago, this fine not so long. Ten years ago, not quite. Uh, nine years ago. Nine years ago. This was. Yeah, not not quite as robust as our previous discussions mm. um, from twenty eleven. Not quite the same, but there's still some ones to talk about. Yeah, I think we're going to be able to jam all this into a single episode. Uh, But, you know, just to remind our listeners uh, what we are talking about. We're talking about movies based upon comic books. And those comic books must have either been in English or been printed into English before the particular movie that they're based upon or the short film that they're based upon came out. In addition, that comic book could have been based on a regular book beforehand, but cannot have been based upon, say, a radio program or a television show that was turned into a comic book that was turned into a movie. It must have originated in a print form of some fashion. Um, So this is, like you said, this is an interesting year. We're going to start out with just the easy stuff first. There were actually about 11 different comic book projects that came out in 2012, which sounds like a lot. We had to divide up 2011. I don't think we're going to need to do that here uh, because three of our 11 choices are actual short films. Um, let's start um, Let's start with an easy one, a Marvel-influenced one. This is called The Punisher. Dirty Laundry uh, came out in uh, 20, uh, 2012. Uh, get, judging from the the look that we're getting from uh, Richard, he may uh, may not have been completely aware that there was a Punisher short film. Now, if memory serves, this particular short film was aired at like a um, the equivalent of like a Golden Globes or uh, um, uh, some sort of uh, viewing uh, Aspen Film Festival or some such. It was made specifically gotcha. for that. So if you did not know this came out, don't be surprised. A lot of people uh, didn't see this. Uh, we've dealt with the Punisher before. And in fact, the lead in this was actually the person that was the Punisher in a movie we had previously talked about. It's Thomas Jane reprising his role as the Punisher. And you even get a little bit of uh, Ron Perlman in this, which is kind of fun. I like anything that he takes uh uh, takes under his wing. So I, I bet it was a fun little thing, but it's just a short, simple kind of a short film that I didn't get to see yet. Um, you know, eventually, I'm sure. But uh, just uh, just kind of a fun little side note. So we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on that. Um, and I think the one thing to note is, so you, you said this was the Thomas, had Thomas Jane yes. in it. And it actually, it actually uh, came out after the Punisher Warzone movie, right, which had different actors in it, which was in 20, 2008. So they actually revisited uh, his Punisher character for this little short. Yeah. The end, that's all I've got. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it, 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 I bet it was just a fun little thing because Thomas James seems like he's a fun dude. I looked at the director, uh, Phil uh, Jono. Jono. I, kn- I apologize if I... Uh, just massacred that name, but uh, if you look at uh, the stuff that he's done, not what I would call a, a ton of films. I mean, there's a handful, a lot of music videos, things like that. Looks like it's just a passion project. Um, 
But uh, let's move. Looks like from, he was a fan of you too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, move from one short to another in the same Marvel plethora of stuff. This one actually has MCU tie-ins. The Marvel one-shot Item Forty-Seven came out in 2012. Now this one I have seen. Uh, I've seen all the Marvel one-shots, and they're they're just fun little blips. Um, I really appreciated the kind of storyline of this. A couple of people finding some debris from the whole Avengers uh, movie and, you know, trying to yeah. make something out of that and S.H.I.E.L.D. tracking them down and trying to deal with the potential threat. You, you get uh, uh, you get another uh, Sitwell appearance, which is always good for me. And it's just a fun little thing. Did you end up seeing this one? It's, I think when it came out, I saw it, yes, but I... I haven't seen it since then. Strangely, a lot of these, a lot of the Marvel shorts, I've definitely seen them all. I just haven't gone back to watch them again. So I do remember Lizzie Kaplan in this one and their discovery of like a, one of the guns that mm-hmm. the creatures were, not the kids, Shatari were, were, uh, wielding right right and that's about the extent of my memory for it, so yeah and the director on this is now, a, a producer on a lot of marvel projects give them a little shot to get a little love in for you know five ten minute little feature yeah exactly i mean just kind of kind of why didn't why didn't shield track down the people that were doing any of the stuff for uh in spider-man well they were recovering all those types of as well well there's a lot of stuff i mean they attacked all over new york i bet they just didn't have the manpower yeah, that's what i'm going with that's true but they formed a whole business based on recovery <laughs> of and of that stuff yeah, yeah a potential little plot hole i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah, skip by that one neither here nor there no uh, another uh, and the last of the short films that came out in 2012 was uh, Dylan Dog. Uh, now, we talked about Dylan Dog, Dead of Night, uh, back in the 2010 um, episode. Uh, and that's the one with uh, Brendan in it. Um, um, but it's, it's kind of, I don't know anything about this particular iteration. See, Dylan the Dog is a strange thing. It, the, the comic of origin was really weird. And if I remember correctly, it was not from the United States. Um, it's just kind of, um, it, uh, it's just kind of um, had a strange life. There are a couple of films that were based on this kind of universe, there's one called, sort of, called Cemetery Man that I've seen that is a lot of fun. It's weird, beyond weird. But mm, uh, mm, it's, uh, I mean, this this universe, uh, it makes me really want to kind of dig into the source material. And I, I'd like to see the short because it looks like it would be um, pretty, from what I've seen, it seems like it'd be pretty, um, it, would, it would keep to the original uh, idea of what Dylan Dog was supposed to be, which you know, always makes it fun. Again, looks like a little passion project, nothing big. I haven't seen it. I'm sure you haven't seen it. So uh, we'll just get nope, to negative. Get to skipping by. Um, I've got right. I've got progress. Got one more that we're probably going to just blast past. But again, it's it's got to be mentioned because it technically qualifies. I am 100% certain that neither of us have seen this. And uh, I would say that 99.9% of people listening have not seen this either because until I started digging around to try and find comic book movies, I didn't even know it existed. Um, uh, This is called Rise of the Black Bat. I'll give you $10 if you can guess what they're trying to um, capitalize on (laughs) in the release of this particular movie. Um. If you look at the uh, graphics for the film, it's actually not bad graphics. Uh, if you look at the casting, it will likely not contain anybody that you recognize, unless you're kind of fans of this particular um, director and uh, the people that make these films anyway. If you take a look at Brett Kelly, the director that did the film, he uh, he he has Raiders of the Lost Shark uh Thunderstorm, Return of Thor, again, seeming to try and capitalize off of a couple other things. Uh, She-Wreck, Jurassic Shark. It looks like just kind of B-movie goodness. Um, 
not taking itself too seriously and just trying to uh, just trying to have some fun with it. But the interesting thing about it is in this particular instance, this character um, that they have actually originated in something called the Black Bat Detective Mysteries. Now, this was back in 1933, and uh, the the creator, um, it, it's really weird because it started as a Pulp Fiction rag. So it didn't start as a comic, but then it was made into a comic in 2011. And then the film came out in 2012. So it's just, it's such a weird little history there. But uh, William Fitzgerald uh, Jenkins is the creator of this particular character. And like I said, I, I, I would uh, wager that most people have no idea who this is. It's got uh, some strong movie tie-ins to uh, the Avenging Force, the Scarab. <laughs> yep. Um, Captain Battle, yep. uh, Legacy War. And uh, the amazing bulk. <laughs> uh, I really want to see these because it, it's it's just got to be so bad it's good. It I I really think I think I'd enjoy watching these films. I that's got to be the intent on it, other than just to make a quick buck. Um, I hope. <laughs> yeah the uh, the avenging. The Avenging Force came out a couple years before this one, but it, I mean, it looks like it's got the Black Bat character in it, but oh well. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of kind of hard to say. Try to look. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hmm, I'm sure the production value in this one was real high. Um, <laughs> does it show what the budget? Yeah, I couldn't find any information on that. One hour and 20 minutes. Okay. So, I mean, Country of Origin, Canada. Quick, That's quick the film. There we go. Yeah. I'm sure you'd like it, though, since it's from Canada. Hey, I love Canada. Canada's great. Mm-hmm. All right. So, now the next one is actually a big-budget film. Now, I'm uh, assuming that neither of us have seen this one either, partially because it's just usually not the genre that I watch as much. Uh, and at the time, I would not have known that it was based on a comic book because it was not one I was familiar with. Uh, the film is called Bad Kids Go to Hell, uh, based on the comic of the same name that came out in 2009, created by Anthony Vargas and Barry Wernick, uh, Barry Wernick being the writer. Um, yeah, I'm not super familiar with this title. Um, it's got... Uh, a cast that I'm not particularly familiar with. Um, I mean, it's got Ben Browder in it, which is, uh, I always liked him in pretty much anything that he's in. I, I was a big fan of Stargate, so seeing him in that, and of course Farscape. So that that for me was a little, little, little fun thing. So I'm kind of curious just for that, but a lot of the names that I see in this are just not ones that are, are, you know, clicking anywhere. Uh, was I correct? I see Judd Nelson pop up here. Yes, yes. Well, that's true. Judd Nelson is always uh, an interesting choice. But no, I have not seen, the, nor even heard of this movie. Yeah, I kind of kind of figured as much. And that way, or not that way, but uh, and I expected our conversation would be about as much as it existed. We're probably not going to watch it. <laughs> Next. <laughs> uh, yeah. The end. The end. All right. Great discussion. Okay. Yeah. On to the next one. Exactly. We are uh, nearing 15 minutes in, and neither of us have seen any of these films except for a couple of the shorts. So it's, you know, off to yeah. a, a, a rough start. But, you know, I did that on purpose. I, I put the easy Busy stuff year. up front. So um, before we get to the stuff that we're actually going to potentially be able to comment on, <laughs> I just want to remind our listeners that uh, you can obviously catch us on social media uh, at Real Pudding Guys on Twitter, at Pudding Guys on Instagram and on uh, Facebook, and of course on Patreon, where for just $1 per month, you can help support us as we create new content, talk to new people, upgrade our equipment, and bring new projects forward. 
Um, if everything goes smoothly, the thing that I've been promising that has uh, supposed to be coming will actually be coming here sometime soon. I'm not going to give a date until I feel a little more, um, a little more solid on when that is going to be. But oh man, it's shaping up, and I am super excited to tell everyone about it. I want to just, oh, it's going to be so cool. But on to the regularly scheduled program. So, uh, Richard, how's your French? Uh, je parle, je... Yeah. <laughs> well, the re- exactly. Yeah, there you go. That that's that's good enough for what we need here. Because our next entry, uh, I have not seen, but I think there's a chance that you might have seen this, considering who is in it and the type of movie that it is. Uh, the movie is called Ooh. Bullet to the Head. It is a Sylvester Stallone action flick based on a comic yes. called Du Plan de la Tête. Uh, now, normally, we don't include uh, you know, comics that aren't in English, unless they happen to be translated before the English film comes out, which is exactly what happened. This translation came out in English in 2004, I think. Um, but it was uh, Colin Wilson uh, on this with artist Matt's uh, as, or I should say, my brain turned off there. Colin Wilson is the artist, and uh, Matt is the name of the writer. One name. You know, I guess, you, like Cher or something. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. He's that good. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of interesting. I, I tried to track down, um, I tried to track down the original release date and the publisher, but my French is not that strong. So while I can get, I can dig back a little bit, uh, I start to get lost of, of exactly where it was. Um, but anyway, so this film looks like just a fun shoot 'em up. Did you see this one? I have seen like the end fight between Sylvester Stallone and Jason Momoa. I think he had a an axe, and they were doing you know cheesy fighting between each other and that was about all i got for you so i haven't seen the whole thing no but i just seen it it's popped up bits and, in bits and pieces and i watched it for like 15 minutes i'm like yep i'm good so i was moving on yeah well that's, it that's... looks like they put money into it like it's got a budget well, to it... obviously to get the 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 cast because the cast is really good the cast it's is just excellent. i just don't think it really kind of panned out unfortunately now the interesting thing to me also is that the the person that uh, directed this film also wrote uh, 48 hours and aliens <laughs> so of course another 48 hours and uh, so he's he's had some um, he's had some success here and there he directed red heat which I, I still love that film. It's it's cheesy eighties goodness. He directed Brewster's Millions. Mm-hmm. Now, do you remember Brewster's Millions? Do I, I could I tell you details about it? No, but you probably uh, remember. Okay, have I have I seen it long ago? Yeah. There's a reason I bring this up because it's it's really strange the coincidences that run into this with the research that I'm doing for this project. So Brewster's Millions was a really fun eighties film that had. You know, one of the funniest dudes of all time, Richard Pryor in it, and of course John Candy, because John Candy is awesome and happens to be from Canada. Um, but you know, the whole the whole concept was, you know, the dude is uh, inheriting money from a dead relative, and the dead relative issues a challenge to him as part of the will. You can either take the the cheap million bucks, or you can try to spend. I think it was like ten million dollars in one month. I think he gave him or something either one week or one month. And if you can blow through all that 10 million and have nothing to show for it by the end of that period and having told no one else about it, uh, then you get the full inheritance of like 500 million or some stupid amount of money. So, you know, that's, I always enjoyed that film. I thought that's a really interesting original idea, right? Except that's a remake. Uh, it came out in 1945. Exact same premise, just different dollar signs. Oh, wait, that's a remake. It came out in 1921. <laughs> same exact premise. 
<laughs> so a lot of movies. It was uh, spend ten dollars, <laughs> you get one hundred. <laughs> the they have these they have these histories that are just much longer than people realize, and I think that's the whole the whole thing. People see this old film. Everybody that watched it doesn't watch movies anymore or is dead or whatever. It's time to reintroduce it with a new spin or a slightly updated take. And I don't have to come up with anything new. <laughs> yeah, you have to be original for the idea. I just have to rewrite the words. Right. Come out of people's mouth. Now, I'm not going to say that's the case and, with Bullet to the Head because I don't know Bullet to the Head. It's probably just fine and, and all, all sorts of brand new. I mean, it's got Christian Slater in it, so it's got to be pretty good. Yeah, I, I, every once in a while I see um, people in a lot of these movies that we discuss, and like, th- there's a person here, John Cena. Uh, he was in the Pacific. Oh yeah, on HBO, and I, I always just come across all these actors, and, and ma- mainly actors because it had to do with, uh, you know, war from the the forties. So it's mainly mainly men, and uh, a few women, mainly men from like band of brothers and pacific where they had these small parts maybe five episodes deep maybe they're in all the episodes but they weren't that big a name at the time and now you see them in all these movies and you're just like holy cow uh, i knew i saw that dude when nobody knew who he was because i watched that that tv show so many stinking times and that, that's one of them he's a, he's a main <laughs> character he's a main character in that one so uh, he- i always like to see see those those people in other shows but i don't remember him in this yeah he was in uh 12 monkeys that's kind of where i remember him from but uh yeah so i mean this is one that i'm i'm curious to see because it looks like it's just you know cheap action which is just fun um and i then also want to see the comic because it's i mean it's still a stallone movie right exactly so again, not a lot to say on it, but it looks like it'd be uh, super fun. And oh, and Scott Adewale uh, in it. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name because I know I'm just going to massacre it. But he's generally awesome. He he played Killer Croc in Suicide Squad, uh, Heavy Duty nice. in GI Joe. May not be the the biggest uh, uh, biggest thing to put on your list uh, for your resume, but the fact that you know, he was tapped to do it. Just shows how good he is, generally. Um, yeah, he's done a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's he's been in a ton, uh, and I like him in pretty much anything. Oh, he was in a movie we'll review next time. Yep. <laughs> this is preparation. All right, so let's get into one of Richard's favorites. Came out this year, and it has an actor that we both love in it. Um, and it is not the first iteration of this particular film, first adaptation. We've actually already talked about it. And the original version of the film had Sylvester Stallone in it. That's this kind of nice tie-in. I, of course, am talking about Dread. Mm. I tell you what, if you have not seen this movie, and I know you have not seen this movie. Not yet. It is dope. It's really good. Um, I know in terms of the box office that this thing generated, that it, it didn't it didn't make the money that auto-generated any type of sequel. But anybody who's watched this movie, whether it was in the theater or who watched it, you know, streaming or purchased the, the Blu-ray DVD, whatever, they loved this movie. And if you were a fan of the actual Dread character, then you'll appreciate this movie way better than the Stallone one, of course. Um, and I think I think a sequel would be just amazing. The problem with doing the sequel is it would have to be on probably some type of streaming thing because I can't imagine a person's, uh, I mean, not a person, a company is going to actually buy it for release in a movie theater. Man, if they did a sequel to... Uh, it was good. It was good. And Carl Urban is just awesome. Yeah, I was going to so. say, I'll watch him be in anything, ever. Um, and they and they had a really solid uh, backing cast in this. I mean, a lot of them are going to not necessarily be people that you're going to just immediately recognize by the name. But when you see them, it's like, oh, yeah, I've seen this person and a bunch of other stuff. Maybe Lena, uh, Lena Hetty 
um, she is super recognizable, and uh, especially with the whole Game of Thrones things that uh, that's there. But uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of these people are just super solid, uh, kind of supporting um, supporting role actors, and they they always they always are are pretty solid in what they do. I, I really want to see this. It it looked fantastic, and I just never got around to it, and that's the only reason I didn't see it. Yeah, the what was I gonna this to say here? The I, I've definitely not read any type of Judge Dredd comic book, right? But I think I understand the type of character that he is, how he's to pre to be presented. Mm-hmm. And of course you got Stallone's Iandra. Like, what what Thirty minutes into the movie, he takes his helmet off, and <laughs> I, I know enough to know on this character that he doesn't take his helmet off. Like that sounds, that sounds like I'm—I don't know—I'm not making things up, but it sounds like, well, well, that's just a thing. No, no, that, like that's how it is in the comic, right? Yeah. Like, no, he never takes his helmet off. It's kind of kind of like a visualization of I am my job. So, Carl Urban. He never takes it. He never takes his helmet off, and to to do this whole movie essentially with the, I mean, part of being an actor is you kind of being selfish enough to like, I want people to see my face and how good I'm doing my acting, and it's not. It's just, it's his posturing. It's his how he handles the weapons. It's the grumbly monotone voice. The sneer, because all you're getting is the mouth, right, mm-hmm. and a little bit of a little bit of no. So, I don't know. It's just it's good. Uh, I know this is hard to watch because it's not like you can go to some streaming service and it was on there. Because it's nowhere. Um, it's nowhere. Uh, I got it, it was on. I kept I kept finding trying to find a place where I could rent it or or watch it, and it popped up one week on IFC. And IFC does commercials, but it's it's still the original movie. It's not edited. So I DVR'd it. And shoot, this was, I don't know how long ago this was, five years ago maybe. DVR'd it and watched it. I was like, this is dope. And then every once in a while you'll see on, like, I, my platform just happens to be Apple, but they have it on Google and I've seen it on... It's on Amazon. Like Amazon and, my, and like some of the other marketplaces... I bought the thing for like five bucks. So it's not like you got to spend a lot to own no. the, this movie. It's out there and you can find it. But if, if you've got the five bucks, I think, and you're a fan of the dread comic book, I think this is, this is a must have. The comic's pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And so, so we'll kind of leave it there just because, you know, he's seen it and I haven't, but it, we both, like the character uh, for me for the comics and him for the film. So, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it, think, um, for those not familiar with it, think Punisher in space with more rules. It, it is the, the easiest descriptor I can give. It's, it's not perfect. There, there are some holes in that comparison, but, uh, it's, it's as close as I can get. Um, but let's move on to something that was very consumable for uh, a large segment of the population. It was a sequel. We've talked about the two previous films in this series that came out. Uh, It was a massive hit. Um, Maybe not as well received as the previous two films, but definitely better received than the one that came after it. Uh, (laughs) I'm talking about Men in Black 3. Um, That came out in 2012. Kind of hard to believe. Saw that one in the theater. Um, because I liked the other two films as much. I mean, it's, uh, it's a popcorn movie. Um, it, don't think about it too hard. Uh, <laughs> there's a number of plot holes, but the acting is solid. Josh Brolin does a fantastic Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> that was a really good Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> it's, it's crazy how good he did with that. Uh, Emma Thompson, uh, is kind of like, uh, urban in the fact that if she is in something i want to see it because she is fantastic in everything i've never seen her do a bad job um so that's 
that's kind of awesome. Having Mike Coulter in it for a very short period of time was kind of cool for those people that are a fan of uh, the uh, Netflix series, uh, Luke Cage. Uh, it's not the only thing he's done, but that's the, the comic tie-in that I'll use. I mean, this has a fantastic cast. You even get a little Bill Hader in there. Um, it's, mm-hmm. as a film goes, it's fun. It's just a fun film. I mean, it's got some time travel in it, so it's bound to be messed up because nobody understands how to write time travel real well. <laughs> but um, Correct. Yeah, uh, it's just good. And the, the person that did this, I mean, this is uh, this is not his first go-around. He did the other two Men in Black films. He did the Adams Family film, Get Shorty. Uh, now, on the downside, he also did Wild Wild West, which a lot of people didn't like. Uh, I was say, don't forget that one. No, no. I, uh, no, he's done a lot of, he's done a lot of, let's call it popular items. You know, he, he's... He's no stranger to big production. No, he's been he's been doing things for a while. And he generally has his finger on the pulse of kind of what works and what doesn't. Um, uh, it's just, uh, yeah, this is a fun film. This is basically a family film, so long as the uh, kids are old enough to to kind of witness some a little bit of gore here and there. Um, it's alien gore, so eh, not so yeah, good yeah, but. Uh, this uh, again, yeah, nothing too too bad. Yeah. Nah, and this this is uh, this is one of those things that deviates from the the comics, like the other two films do. But it doesn't matter; it, it catches the theme real well. It's just fun film. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to say about that one. Now, uh, no, a couple of the other, yeah, just couple other cast members there there i see a lot of hbo cast members in here oh yeah i think if you folks look at the people who was in there's a lot of people that have been in hbo things in here so oh yeah lots of tie-ins in that aspect at least now the next film was on to the next one on to the next one the next film and we're we're gonna make through it. I, I'm still trying to get us through in an hour. So we, we got we got three more to do and I think we can do it. I'm we're gonna have more to say on these last two, I'm sure, than the, the, the whole of the rest of them that we've talked about. But uh Yeah. So all right. So this one I was less of a fan of, uh, but we'll get into why on that. Uh not saying that this was a bad film, because I don't think that it was. Um but uh it was the first in uh, the second attempt at, uh, by Sony to produce a Spider-Man movie. Uh, we are looking at The Amazing Spider-Man with uh, Andrew Garfield. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, in in this movie, I, I don't think you're right in, in what you said. I don't think it was necessarily like a bad movie. No. But it, it wasn't one... In the previous set of Spider-Man films, the, the when Spider-Man came out, it was one of those things that was like, wow, this is cool. Like, this is a, a representation of a character that we haven't really seen before. Then the second one was pretty good. Then the third one kind of had that letdown. Yeah. Too much going on. We talked about that, and, and there was problems with it anyway doing a reboot you kind of get that same excitement like okay well this is right. this is a character that a lot of people love may not be everyone's favorite but everyone seems to really love this character and then let's do it oh well look that the who's the bad guy we're, we're going to do the, the lizard cool right because we haven't seen that character before right we might have seen it the the dr connor's character teased a little bit but we haven't seen this particular bad guy of all the stinking, you know, Spider-Man bad guys that there are. Exactly. And then the movie's just kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm trying to, the big thing for me is I try and be fair with this sort of a thing. So why, why do I feel this way? Uh, is it because it's the second iteration and I really liked Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man and I liked, Whatever, so I had to think about it. It's like, well, first of all, I liked Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker. Uh, as Spider-Man, he was okay. 
Um, but the surrounding yeah. cast of everyone that was around him was perfect or as near to perfect as you could get. It was, it was really good. Yep. Even if sometimes the writing of the actual story was not the best, nobody liked emo Peter, uh, <laughs> the dancing scenes maybe were not everyone's favorite, uh, bit of it. I mean, there were, there were certainly problems, but Sam Raimi, uh, I, I I dug it. I thought it worked really well. He snuck in Xena Warrior Princess uh, and Bruce Campbell <laughs> into the film. Um, so I mean, it's mm-hmm. just kind of it, it's good stuff. And the uh, in the new one, so the director is another director that's done a bunch of music videos for the most part um, up to this point. It's like, okay, well, who do we got? Andrew Garfield. I don't know this dude before this film. Well, Emma Stone. Okay, I like Emma Stone. She's generally pretty solid. Dennis Leary, solid secondary kind of person. Martin Sheen. Okay, Sally Field. Right. Okay, that's solid. So they're they're trying to get some names in here, some people that have some some weight for it. But the story was just kind of meh. It 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 wasn't a it yeah, didn't affect me. And I, I know uh, MJ is kind of the cliche other female lead that was already done in the first series, and it's kind of the one that you see as the classic counterpart to Peter Parker. But okay, maybe that's overplayed. I don't know. But what? Why Gwen Stacy? Well, she was technically first in the comics. He didn't. He didn't get with uh, Mary Jane until later. In fact. Gwen Stacy is key. That's the one thing that I did like because it's supposed to shock the crap out of whoever is reading it or watching it when she dies because that is a formative moment. There are basically two formative moments for Spider-Man that define his character. One is Uncle Ben getting killed. Okay, that sets him on his path. And then Gwen Stacy dying. That makes him realize that he has to be a lot more careful in everything that he does. And it makes him start to kind of second guess a lot of the things that he does and put on the kid gloves. I mean, that that's kind of one of the fun things that you see sometimes in the comic. It's like, oh, it's Spider-Man. He's not that powerful. Actually, he kind of is. But he takes it easy on everybody you know, for for good reason, for historical reason. He could beat the ever-loving yeah. snot out of a lot more people than he does. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, I liked that part, but that was about it. Okay. And then what, what about the, the, the cast itself? So like, like you're right. Like we're not exactly familiar with Andrew Garfield at the time. No, but was he, he wasn't, it was bad. I liked right? him better I mean, as Spider-Man. Didn't okay. like him as much as Peter. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's yep. one of those things. It's, I can see that. It's a posture thing. It's um, it may, I don't know if it's uh, his choices or the director's choices, but just the way that he carried himself as Spider-Man. I thought he did a better job in the suit. Um, but just I just I, I couldn't see him as Peter. Because when when you look at Peter, generally, at a certain age, he is not the handsome, get-the-girl kind of guy. He's, I mean, he's got the, the, the um, potential is there. But you just, because he doesn't see it, you don't see it kind of a thing. And I look at Andrew Garfield, and there's at no point when I look at him in that role where I go, he is super confident in everything that he's doing. He never comes across as just vulnerable. Yeah. And, you know, kind of coinciding with um, some some move. Maybe it's a because Venom is more fresh in our in our memory. And that's kind of basing what we're doing. Some of our Sony basis off of, too. I felt like this movie was okay, good, but yeah. it made money, right? Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it made enough money that they're like, okay, well, we're going to keep making more of these because it 
it made money. Yeah. And whether whether it was good or not, you know, I, I think I, I I think that that's part of the problem with this couple set of movies is that it made money because everybody likes the Spider-Man right. characters. Everybody right. likes the Spider-Man rogues gallery or bad guys or, or whatever. Everybody wants to see the Sinister Six. Everybody wants to see all these components come together in a Spider-Man movie. Yeah. And I, I think that's why it stopped after the second one, which we'll review here too, is that it's just, they wanted it to be a billion dollar movie. Yeah. And it's not. And they wanted it, to succeed and be awesome and it's barely there well i think that happens a lot i i i'm you know we keep hearing about people fighting back and forth uh the people making the films uh, especially if it's a, a, a well-known director fighting the studio and what the studio wants the film to be and just the massive disconnect yeah. between the people making the film and the people giving the means to make the film that are trying to just make money off of it, that don't understand the source. Um, and it's, I have a feeling that that played into this at, at some level. Uh, I mean, it had to yeah. have. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. And we didn't have to go through this iteration of Spider-Man for very long. Uh, but we'll get, we'll get back nope. to that later. Now, although I yeah. am, I am yeah. tempted with the the next Spider-Man film coming out as we record this in 2021. If they bring Andrew Garfield into this one, as well as Tobey Maguire, oh my, I am going to have so much fun with that film. It, it will make it all yeah, worth it. If they can, they can piece together and explain why, and have it make sense, and have it be fun and funny. Right yeah. and con- congruent and just like it makes sense. Right, just make enough sense. <laughs> and they have the, the good enough people at yes, not Sony. You know, there's good enough people at Marvel to make that happen. Yeah, just have Sony do the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, leave the story nonsense. We'll be good. Uh, well, let's get off of Marvel for a minute and hop over to the DC train. Uh, we're going to talk about Ooh. the final installment of the Christopher Nolan Batman series, The Dark Knight Rises. Um, I really love the Nolan films. The Dark Knight Rises. I really loved most of the Nolan films. <laughs> oh, I like Tom Hardy. Um, and I, I get what they were doing with that on Bane, but... It didn't work for me. I'm sorry. Bane was never going to be a good villain. I don't care what you do to him. You look at the source material. Uh, material? Mysterio. Uh, if you look at the source material, it's, he's a luchador. He's a luchador on steroids, is, is what he is. He's not a big thinker. He, I mean, they've, they've retconned him at times to try and make him more menacing, but he he got he they just needed somebody in the comics to to be the person to break Batman's back, and it just happened to be him. It it was not a great character. I don't I don't know too many people that would say that it was. Um, so to bring him in to the third film as one of the major antagonists, and I understand he's an underling, and it's actually Talia that's the the villain, but. Uh, no, uh, I feel he messed that up too. This this film rubbed me the wrong way in several ways. I mean, it wasn't again. It wasn't a bad film. The visuals were nice. The fighting sequences were solid. It just it just was so disappointing in in so many levels. Well, did they do Bane like that? As if you look at the if you look at the, the trilogy as a whole. I feel like how some of the characters are presented, it's all grounded in realism, right? Not, not, not quite as fantasy riddled as some of the the characters can be. Sure. Uh, so you, you had you had Two Face, which he got obviously half of his face burnt off, and then he's 
up and rummaging around after he's been in bandages for a little bit. Maybe that's kind of stretching the fantasy piece a little, a little bit, bit, but having having Bane, you're right, be you know eight feet tall and having things pumped into him from machine, you know, feeding tubes into the back of his head and his arms, right, is going to not be grounded in 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 realism. No, it's not going to. And come I across. think, and if you look at the, the the League of Shadows, right, there's besides the Lazarus Pit aspect of the league of shadows you never really got any it's all just like ninjas and we're good at being deceptive and financial back like doing things with finances right so like all these things were more grounded in realism and i think we have this expectation of what bane is supposed to be and truthfully if you're going to do a a batman that's not grounded in reality a bane character would actually be pretty fun or funny to have. Right. Not as a main bad guy, but as like a, as just like somebody that occupies 20 minutes of the movie. Right. Say like uh, poison Ivy needs a, a, a muscle person to, to be intimidating for a George yes. Clooney style. Whoa. Batman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so if you're going, if you're going to go all in on those characters, okay, go all, all in on those characters. But I think this one, like I said, is just they try to present it as okay. What if, what if Batman? What if Bruce, Bruce Wayne was a actual real person with money, right? Yeah. He shows pain. He flips around on these bikes, and there is a Joker character that's a crazy nutbag person and actually has a pain tolerance and can do things, but thinks maniacally about killing. It, you know, so I think that's how this whole trilogy worked is and it's, it'll be interesting to see what direction the the new batman goes because yeah. the batman that's in like the justice league can't be grounded in reality no. when you have all the other weird things going on that we see in the in the typical justice league right. universe so i think the christopher nolan one stands alone because it, they didn't try to make it super fantasy over the top, you know, Batman swings around from story to story and fights characters that have ungodly powers. Right. So, so I mean, there are things about this that I liked. You're talking about being grounded in reality, and that was one of the things I like. It's going to take a toll. Being that hero is going to break you down. It's just going to happen. And taking that approach, like, oh, I really like that. That's a solid direction to go. The introduction of Catwoman was kind of, meh. I mean, the casting I thought was good, and uh, you know, I, I didn't have an issue with that. And the costume, some people had a big problem with. I was not one of them. I thought the costume was just fine. I really like Anne Hathaway and pretty much anything. It, the the only issue that I had, it's like, okay, if you're going to go grounded in realism, and the whole reason they had the Bane character was just to swerve the audience so that they were looking at Bane and not looking at who the real bad guy was. I can think of 10 mm -hmm. other characters to put in other than Bane that would have worked way better in that spot. It, it just it didn't make any sense. And if you're going with realism, so Bane's supposed to be this big, strong guy. That's why he needed to be to be able to break Batman's back in the comic books. And while he's not presented in that way in this film, he's smaller because, you know, human. Uh, he's still a, an imposing, they try and present him as this imposing monster. You don't need that. You just need somebody that's skilled. Batman is broken down. Just bring in a skilled dude, and that's that's all you need. That's all you need. But no, they they messed that up. Maybe that uh, maybe that hit me a little harder. Uh, the lost potential, or uh, the clear not understanding how a stock market works in that scene. Good lord, that made me want to pull my hair out. But anyway. <laughs> Yeah, that you're right. So they take over the place and they do all the stuff. I'm just like, okay. So after they do that, it's just like, okay, it's been done. The end. I'm like, going to take all your that, money. That part was. They will not be able to tell it was me or stop me. 
sure they're you know holding up and doing a heist oh, type thing there, but no bother. Nobody knows what's no, going on. No, it's just it's, uh, some rando. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I need something to leave a more positive. Uh... You're you're right. Yeah. So you're you're right. That has that has loopholes. Is it the best of the the trilogy of movies? No. no. Is it bad? No. no. It's all right. No. Is it? If it's the worst of the three, then the three were pretty good. Yeah, I was going to say the worst of uh, a set of blockbuster films that are are that good. It's like, man, you were only a C. That's awful. <laughs> it was. It was at least yeah, a C. I mean, I. Can't believe you made a billion dollars worldwide on this C-rated movie. Get out of here! <laughs> oh man! Uh, but there was a blockbuster in 2012 that did live up to expectations. That was hyped up for years and years, and that I chomped at the bit for. That I have, I was a fan for, and I waited for, and I waited for because the comic movies that came out never featured my favorite group of heroes. It was always stupid X Men or, or something else like that. And you know, everybody else got a turn, and then my favorites never got their turn. And then it finally happened uh, in 2012 when the Avengers came out. I was, I was so pumped for that. That was, that was the best. I I think that one of the things that made this movie so good at the time uh, was the fact that they had all the movies previous to this that we had discussed. Right. And you could see the lead up and you knew it was coming. But when it actually came to fruition, how it was presented was presented to us in such a fun, clean, clear fashion that, enti- that included elements from all the other movies it get i got off to a fast start yeah it it showed it showed all the different elements of the like i said just the fun aspect of the week is this a perfect movie no no are there elements missing from this to make it better yes yeah. um I, I think you know joss whedon had a really big big set of projects to work on to come together when your budget is as big as what this is and okay let let me dig a little bit deeper here in this too so i watched uh avengers age of ultron yesterday and we'll discuss that one a little bit more but what really i think got to me on this one on these movies is Put yourself in the actor's position. And these actors are making lots of money. Yeah. But you have basically, in, in a certain sense, A-list actors normally do a movie with themselves, maybe one other person, maybe themselves and two other pretty good people. But when you have a collection of A-listers like this that are together and they're on a soundstage with all these green screens and all this nonsense behind them, and they deliver these lines in the character that they had been evolving over movies and over time. And they deliver these lines. And, and let's be honest, some of these lines are pretty cheesy. Oh, yeah. But they deliver them with with um, conviction. Right. Uh, I, I think it just goes to show that they got the collaboration piece right. They got the actors right. They got their responsibilities right and the actors took their roles for what they were seriously enough to know the lines and know the presentation and all those things like that's what you're supposed to do when you're making you know 10 million a film but what i'm saying is it's a hard thing to get a collection together like this and this was the first of those collections that really showed hey you can actually do this yeah, and I think that's why it made so much stinking money. The thing that amazes me about this still, I mean, we've had DC try and replicate this and just fall on their face in the process. 
I don't care. You can yes. you can bring anybody to me. You try and tell me that Batman versus Superman is a good film, and I'm going to laugh at you. Um, the, the way that that it was presented with the Justice League. I mean, it's the sort of same director between Avengers and the Justice League, and it just it didn't work on the DC side. Uh, they were going to try and do kind of a, a supernatural element. They were going to, uh, they brought like the mummy back with, uh, what was it? Uh, Tom Cruise. Um, and that was going to be the beginning of yeah. a, a shared universe of horror films, horror slash thriller, whatever. And that didn't work. You cannot cheat the process. And this seems to be something that nobody gets. The reason that the Avengers worked is a, it hadn't been done before. B, they teased it, but didn't guarantee it. Because uh, we've been we've been teased before, and maybe it would happen, maybe it wouldn't. And they built it up right. They didn't tell you what was coming. And this is maybe one of the weaknesses that Marvel has had. I understand needing to keep the hype up with letting people know that projects are coming and get them excited about it. But you miss that surprise, that joy of, I didn't know that they were going to do this. And it's great. And they, uh, th that's what made it work. So if somebody's going to replicate it again in some other form, whether it's for another comic or anything else, you need to do that. You have to surprise the viewer. Make it subtle at first. Make sure that your product is solid and then you have the little teaser, whatever it is that's going to be, and then bring it in. And I think it'll work better. And and like you said, this movie was, it was, it was solid. It was, it was for me like a solid B. I don't even remember if I've rated this on our, <laughs> on our rating system, but my, my memory makes me think it's, it's a solid B. There are a couple plot holes. It's an action fest for a good chunk of it. If you get bored watching uh, people blow up aliens and that sort of thing and have those kinds of fights, you may not enjoy this film. But as a culmination of a bunch of other stuff coming together and with some real emotion, some nice dialogue back and forth, some actual subtext that's really good, it's a solid film. Yeah, and like I mentioned before, it's it's not not even the best of the Marvel Cinematic universe movies no. but it holds a, it holds a special place because not only this was this set up over years of development and if the first movies were not successful this would never have happened but all all this all this movie did here was set up everything else I, like it set up so many different storylines for the MCU after this, yeah. we talked about the the Spider Man movies, for example, right? Yeah, like it was a the setup was a cleanup crew for what had happened. Um, we, we mentioned uh, Age of Ultron. You know, in, in the cave that they have in the bottom, there's one of those giganto creatures down there that they're using to test and do all the things. They have the staff from this one. You look at. The, the play-ins from, obviously, the Infinity Stones. You have the teaser at the end for, of, of Thanos. It, it's just, it sets up, so like, the, the, the fact that Tony Stark is, his character is wounded from what had happened and doesn't want that happen to happen again because he knows something like this is going to come. So you, you're looking at the things that generated um, the... The Captain America, oh yeah, the the, the all the Winter Soldier, from that. It's just like, Civil War, right? Civil War. It just set up all, almost all the other individual plot lines to come to the culmination of Endgame. So this was a really, really big step. It made a hoop load of money. Yes, it did. It got kids young kids interested in the Marvel characters so that hopefully not only did they enjoy watching the movies, but maybe they went backwards and looked more at the origination of some of these characters. So it was a big, I think a big, big deal. Oh yeah. Bigger than the fact that it's not the, 
it is a it is a B in terms of if you're going to grade it. There's just so much more that came from behind the scenes. Oh yeah. Now, one of my favorite. There are a couple just things that I'll mention. Just since we're not really reviewing the film, but just two things that always hit me anytime I see this film, and I've seen it a couple of times, uh, maybe more than a couple of times. Um, my one of my favorite little cameos in it, an actor I absolutely adore, and it's and it's a Whedon connection. But Alexis Denisoff has a small part in this film. He plays the the alien that is talking to to Thanos and to uh, mm-hmm. um, and to Loki, and so you never see Loki. his face. Um, and he's in one other film. Uh, he's in. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, but that actor is so good in everything. He plays one of my favorite characters from uh, Buffy and Angel, and just I oh, I cannot say how much I want to see him in other stuff because he's so good. But uh, just just seeing that little nugget in there was just kind of fun. But I I challenge you if you have not seen this film, you're going to watch it, or if you've seen it before. Um, I want you to tally the number of pedestrian deaths that there are. Just something, because this is about the time, not too long before the Avengers came out, is when Disney took over everything because they uh, they didn't they didn't do it from the beginning. Um, but there aren't any. <laughs> you will not find a confirmed kill of a civilian in this entire movie, an alien force comes down with ships and monsters and there's buildings getting hit and rubble going everywhere and exploding cars. You will never see a body, not one. Yeah. And, and that's a side note too, is that if you watch this movie, the scale I think is represented fairly well too of what is actually happening. You see action sequences of Captain America in small little neighborhood blocks. But you also see, you know, Captain America Captain America going direct people from this place to this place. Hulk's flying around, Iron Man's going all over the place. Right. You get a you get a, a decent idea that the scale of what's going on is pretty big. Yeah. Um, when you watch Age of Ultron, I think you get an even bigger impression of the scale of what is going on. So, like, it's 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 progressed over the the course of the movies. It's just these are really, in grand scheme of things, insignificant people doing significant things, and that's kind of the I think coming together to be a, a certain little aspect. And some of the characters, you know, like the Iron Man character can still get hurt and get and, and get killed, obviously. Uh, a Thor character really can't, and an, uh, a Hulk character really can't. So you still have all of these, all of these other characters involved in all these things. And I think sometimes what's un- overlooked is just, like I said, the scale of what is actually happening in this movie for these really in the grand scheme of things, not you know, insignificant little characters. Yeah. It's kind of funny. It's a, like I said, just a, if you watch those things enough, you're like, well, I'm trying to find other things to, to pay attention to. Right. And that was one that I was noticing. Well, and I, I did the uh, death count for this film. If you are curious, you can always go to our website, everybody loves pudding.com and look at the pop culture death counts. And even with no pedestrian kills, uh, you're still looking at uh, 600. It, it currently sits at number three on our list as of this recording. But yeah, I, I've freeze-framed <laughs> nearly the entire film. Anywhere there was going to be action, I looked for anything. And uh, you can look. It's, it's all time-stamped. If you click on the Avengers option, it will give you from the very first kill at 5 minutes and 36 seconds all the way up to the end of the film. Uh, no pedestrians. I mean, guards, sure. If, if they're supposed to be in a position of potential danger, it's okay if they die. But <laughs> if it's a pedestrian, no. We're not seeing yeah, any I'm helpless eat- people. I'm eating pizza. I don't get killed by these aliens. Can't happen. Disney. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, makes me laugh. 
<sighs> that was kind of cathartic. We ended on a high note. That was a good one. Um, and I, I, I'm definitely enjoying the whole series as they're going about it. And I, I see a, a continued bright future for at least the, for at least the near, near term, if they ever actually release Black Widow. Well, they're still working on the projects. They're still creating the projects. So, Wandavision's good. They're not gone yet. Yeah, yeah, I'm not enjoying it. Yet. I can't wait for it. Well, what do you think, uh, dear listeners? Did we miss any in 2012? I challenge you to say that we did, mainly because you know I like to be right, and if I missed any, you should definitely let us know. Um, but uh, what did you think? Have you seen some of these films? Do you have a slightly different opinion? You know, definitely hit us up on the social media. We will definitely interact and respond, and we love seeing what you all think. Um, and uh, next week, we're going to be having a fantastic interview with a comic book creator that's got a new uh, a new project coming out here shortly, uh, and we're going to talk to him and get an idea of what's going on with it and you will definitely want to take a listen to that one but until next time stay safe out there stay warm uh don't sit out in your car for an hour talking to, to people <laughs> true don't do that that'd be awful but uh, definitely come back and listen to us again 